0: This morning, as we open up uh, scripture, we're going to be in quite a few places, but mostly in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I titled this morning's message, The Wide World of the Generous Heart. The Wide World of the Generous Heart. You know, as we approach Thanksgiving, uh, it is a natural season where people start to be a little bit more generous. Um For the most part, I know there are some outliers, right, who get a little more greedy (laughs) at Christmas time, but for the most part, people's hearts are naturally attuned uh, to the holiday season and really allowing themselves to be uh, more generous. The wide world of the generous heart, I want to start with Proverbs 11.24. It's a few verses down in my notes and we'll get to it again, but I think it really speaks to what I hope to communicate this morning. It says, Proverbs 11.24 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I have found this to be true in my own life, that when I am a more open person, when I'm a more generous person, when I'm a more forgiving person, a more loving person, when I give, even when others don't deserve what I give, maybe I give friendship, maybe I give community, uh, maybe I give of my own resources, when I give financially, when I give, my world seems to expand like my relationships seem to expand. My community seems to expand. My influence seems to expand the more and more I give, the more and more I live open with the people around me. And when we talk about generosity, how many of you know, we're not just talking about finances. That would be the easiest application, but there is so many areas where we can be stingy or generous Uh, We can be stingy with friendship. We can be stingy with compliments. We can be stingy with encouragement. Uh, We can be stingy with connection, with um, all sorts. We can be stingy with forgiveness. Like you have to, you know, you have to prove and prove and prove before I'll allow myself to not be anything but bitter towards you. We can be stingy with a lot of things and our world begins to shrink in on itself. The stingier we are, I have found, but the more generous I am, the wider my world gets and the more vibrant my world gets and the more connected my world gets and the more community i have in the world in which i live the more friendships i have the more connections i have when we talk about generosity i don't want you to get stuck in just the financial area of generosity i want to think about i want you to throughout the message think about the whole of your personhood how you are generous with your time your talents your treasures and we're going to talk about how you can be generous with even your touch that you're touching on the people around you can be a point of generosity that the Lord wants to develop. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding, get wisdom, get understanding, even if it costs you everything. The book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters are all about wisdom. And then from 10 to 31, we have different sayings of just wisdom sayings. And if you look for a theme in those, you'll, you'll find really quick that uh, one of the themes that pops out is generosity, is how to be a person who gives, how to be a person that doesn't just keep for yourself, but also extends to the world around you. And I would say this, there's nothing more like the heart of God than to be a generous person. We see first, uh, we see John 3, 16, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's right. Yeah. For God, we're we'll trying to get, for God so loved the world that he gave. Very famous passage of scripture, but his love didn't just stop at an idea. His love didn't just stop at an emotion. His love didn't su- just stop it. Well, it's really, really, really in my heart. And I really, really, really feel it. It translated to the action of giving. He, and he, here's the thing. He didn't give his leftovers, right? He gave himself. He gave himself when he sent Jesus, the son of God, the very, uh, the very son of God. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. The son of God, the very son of God. He was the son of God. He gave his highest and he gave his best. He didn't give his extra. He gave of himself when he sent Jesus. He gave us everything. You know, there's words in the Bible that you would think would be in there, right? Like the word believe is in the Bible uh, 272 times. That's a lot of times. Uh, the word pray and the encouragement to pray is 371 times. That's a lot of times. Uh, the word love, how many of that one should win, right? I mean, it's all, it's Christianity, Jesus, it's love. That's in there uh, 714 times. You know how many times the word give is in the Bible. 2,161. Oh, man. uh, It's okay. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. You guys saw it. You guys saw it. All right? All right. Yeah, you guys saw it. All right. (laughs) 2... (laughs) 2,161 times. That's a lot of time. I guess I didn't even have to read it. We could just, you know what? Just just flip through the slides, all right? Let's be done with it. It'll it'll go shorter. You'll get out of here earlier. All right. Uh, 2,161 times the word give is in scripture because it's a really big deal. And when we develop hearts of generosity, we're tapping into aspects of the very nature of God. Because everything in our sinful nature is about me, right? I had a young nephew. His name was Joshua. He turned 17 on Friday. Um, And when he was a kid, he was like two and a half. It reminded me of this story because uh, we just saw him on Friday for his birthday. When he was like two and a half years old, his mom, they speak Spanish in their home. And um, his mom walked in to his bedroom and she heard him talking in there. And he had his toys and they were all lined up facing him. And he was sitting there with his toys and he was going like this, Mio, Mio, which in Spanish is mine, mine. And he'd grab one toy and he'd go, Mio, and he'd run it behind his back like real fast, like he's practicing his reflexes. And so he'd go, Mio, Mio, Mio. And then he'd grab another toy and he'd go, Mio, 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 mine, 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 mine. And Teresa, she's like, Hey, what's going on? You know, two and a half, three years old. What, what's happening? What are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm practicing for when my cousins come over. Like, he, he's in his room trying to get good at selfishness, all right? This is how torn up the human heart is, right? He's three years old. You don't have to teach him to be selfish. He wants to get good at being selfish. He's excited about being selfish. Uh, He wants to make sure that when his cousins come over, his reflexes are faster than their nappy little hands, right? They're going to get their hands on his toys, and he wants to make sure that he can get them behind his back quicker. I mean, we don't have to teach each other to be selfish. We have to teach each other to be generous, right? We don't have to discipline our kids like, hey, you know, make sure you're looking out for yourself. Listen, I have four of them. They all get it. They're professional self-looker outers. They, they will make sure that they get their mac and cheese. They will make sure that they get a bigger portion than anybody else in the room. They will make sure that they get seven nuggets, not six nuggets. And he better not get eight nuggets. We all get seven. Fairness is a big deal in my home. And there's a lot of arguments around the concept of fairness, because everybody's making sure that they get theirs. And so what do we have to teach as parents? We have to teach the opposite. Hey man, be generous. Let it go. You know, be forgiving, be kind, be generous. I already said that, but be generous, be giving, care about the people around you. We don't have to teach selfishness. When we tap into generosity, we're tapping into a kingdom principle that's in the heart of God and all throughout scripture. And I would say this, I would say that if generosity is one of those areas in your life that you really struggle with, I would say, get, keep getting closer to Jesus because there's nothing more that looks like God than being generous, than being forgiving, than being loving, than be open, and allowing God to use your life even if it's not fair or even if it's not deserved. Giving when it's not deserved is one of the hardest ones. When somebody doesn't deserve what you're giving, but you give anyway because he first gave, right? Genes- generosity is the heart of the kingdom. He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. You know, he modeled that for us. I love the nature of God. He never asks us to do something that he has not already done, right? He gave everything. So when he asks us to give, when he asks us to be generous with our resources, with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, with our attitudes, he's, he's been there and he's done that and he modeled the way for us in total perfection. And then Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, and we read it at the very beginning, but I'm gonna read it again. I said I would do that. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's interesting to me that throughout scripture you'll find that when scripture talks about generosity and becoming a generous and giving person, you'll often find that one of the things that's in the scripture is the motivation is not just for the person that's being going to receive the generosity, but the motivation is for the giver. That there's something that should motive, like your world will get larger and larger and larger. The the motivation is implicit in the scripture of saying, "Hey, you want your life to be bigger? Be generous." You want your life to get larger, you want to expand, you want more influence, more friendships, more community, start getting more generous, become more like Jesus in that area. And the motivation to be generous is not on what it does for others, but it also on what it does for, for me. And it's like, well, then is there truly any selfless gift, um, If I know that I'm gonna receive when I give, can I really actually give selflessly? How many of you know that will be tested many times and you will prove that yes, you can still give (laughs) and it can be selfish because sometimes our gifts are painful. Sometimes God will ask you to give in a way that is costs you greatly to forgive when forgiveness is not deserved, To to give over to God and release control when you don't know if you can trust him with that area of your life. To be generous when, man, your bank account doesn't say that you should be generous right now. In fact, good stewardship would say, you keep everything you have and go get another job to get more of that you don't have currently. And yet, God invites you to be generous even in the midst of your need. Generosity changes the giver. Our life gets bigger and bigger. My life is lived for others. I live to impact others. Does it matter that the people get impacted by my generosity? Yeah, it really does matter to those people. But there's also this other understanding of generosity it changes me when I give and when I live generously, I am changed in the process. it, It actually feels good. You know, they've done scientific studies that generosity, giving releases chemicals in the brain that induce pleasure. There are pleasure chemicals that are released when you live generously. That's, so is it for them or is it for you? Man, how about both? How about the people around you get blessed? And how about you get blessed by being a blessing? I think that's pretty biblical. Um, I know for my own life, there's been a couple of times where I've been really generous and um, I walk away from generous moments where I do something that's just like, man, that was so fun. Um, Generosity actually is a lot of fun, but you walk away from generous moments and maybe they cost you greatly, but you just feel good about yourself. Um, I have a lot of proud dad moments, but there was never a moment that I was more proud to be a dad than about three years ago, uh, I got my family our current dog. Uh, it was a puppy. And I I orchestrated the whole thing. My wife didn't even know it was happening. And it was Christmas Day. And the kid, I know, it was exciting. Um, <laughs> she was okay with it, though. She was okay with it because she'd been looking at pictures. Um, and uh, so it, it, I, she'd be okay. I could bring home five puppies, and she'd be fine with it. Maybe not. five, uh, One, uh, but at a time. <laughs> but we had, we had opened up all the gifts. Christmas was done Like, the house, we were about ready to start cleaning up, and uh, I had the kids sit down, and about 20 minutes before they woke up, it's like 5.30 in the morning, on Christmas Day, I had given the puppy to Lindsay first, my wife, and so she got to see it for the first time, and she's like crying, oh my gosh, it's a puppy. She didn't even cry when we got engaged, but she cried when I gave her a puppy, just so you know. All right, but she just just cried. Too much information. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Lindsay, actually. Um, (laughs) Sorry, World Wide Web. Uh, But... (laughs) Yeah. sorry, everyone, forgive me, be generous, uh, give her this puppy, and she's excited in the morning, and then we orchestrate this whole thing where we hide the puppy in the car, windows down, okay, cracked, uh, Christmas morning, was okay, we hide the puppy in the car, we bring it in, we have the kids sit down, and they see the puppy, and just tears, like, they, at least half of them just began to cry, Do we have the video, okay, I want to show you this video real quick, it's the proudest moment, proudest dad moment in the last, uh, well, since I've been a dad, really, Oh. Are your eyes closed tighter, 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 open. Nobody knew that moment was... Okay, there it is. Nobody knew that moment was going to happen except for me that morning. And I am sharing it with you today because that's awesome. And that was all me, all right? You need to know that. My Here's the thing. My idea, my money... On Christmas Eve, we had a Christmas Eve service here, and I drove halfway to Reading to pick that puppy up in a Denny's parking lot in Dixon. I mean, and I had a sermon to preach that night. My time, my gas money, my money, my resources, it was all me, and I walked away from that moment, and I was like, uh, that was awesome. (laughs) I felt good about that moment. That moment of generosity changed me. I was excited. I'm so proud of it and a little bit arrogant, I understand, and I'm sharing it with you. So I can get more play on that moment. And you guys can awe and sit back and just like, he's so generous, right? Like it was a problem. Mo- Listen, generosity, it leaves you with something that feels really, really good. How many of you are just feeling good, just watching the video, just like, oh, that is, well, it's puppies and kids. So I mean, anything that happened next was going to be okay. Uh, but you just leave, there's something about generosity, I think, that's hardwired into the heart of man, made in God's image to just get a kick at being generous, like to just, oh, that's fun. In fact, I've talked with people who are in a season of life in the financial realm who are struggling. And one of the things that is an often theme that I hear in, especially young couples who are struggling financially is like, we can't wait to get to the place where we can, where we can give. There's even an excitement like, oh, I can't wait to be able, man, if, if I could, anybody ever dream of like, if I was Elon Musk, I'd buy you a house and you a house and you a house and you a house. You'd get a car and you'd get a car. Like you, you just, you think about these things because there's something hardwired in us that I believe is the very nature of God trying to break its way out of our selfishness to a place of generosity. And I get that it's challenging. I get that we have to have jobs and I get that we have to work. And sometimes paying bills gets more and more trying and more and more difficult. And I get all that. And that's real. But your desire to be generous, that's from God. And you shouldn't ignore it. You should cultivate a life where you can be more and more generous, just like your father who's been generous with you. Winston Churchill says this. He says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life By what we give. Mother Teresa says, A life not lived for others is not a life. And then Jack Hayford, a pastor in Southern California, wrote this book called The Key to Everything. Could almost sound a little prideful, (laughs) The Key to Everything. But what he speaks about in this book is that the key to everything is, is giving, it's generosity. It's the key to life and godliness. It's the key to growth in God. It's the key to understand who God's called you to be and what he has for your life. And he says this, developing a spirit of generosity involves an attitude toward giving that gives the right thing at the right time in the right way and for the right reasons. The right thing at the right time in the right way and for the right reasons. That there's this thing inside of us that desires to be generous and i want to see that cultivated. In fact, we're going to pray at the end of the service today and one of the things we're going to ask the Lord is, God, what how are you asking me to ramp up my level of generosity in this season? And not, it's not going to be financial for everyone. Some of us need to go back and extend forgiveness to someone who's wounded us. We just need to be generous. They don't deserve it. They're not asking for it. We just need to be generous. We just need to let it go and to offer forgiveness offer grace that we've so richly received. There's several ways that we give in the kingdom of God. The first is that we give, it's the giving up and surrender of our own will. It's an expression in worship. Forgiving is releasing our rights to anger for the sake of relationship. We give over, we give over those things which God can only handle. We give to, we give resources to further a worthy endeavor. We give in We're asked to give in. We give in by obeying God despite the fears and the personal costs. And we give wisely, giving in a way that allows us to keep on giving. Now, I'm not asking anybody to go out and empty your bank account and give it all away. Unless you have multiple bank accounts, then we can have a conversation. But uh, I'm not asking you to go empty your bank account and give it all away. That would be crazy. That would be lack of stewardship. But you can give in a way that allows you to keep on giving. And you'll be shocked when you begin to be generous with your resources. We begin to be generous with your kindness, begin to be generous with your forgiveness. You'll watch God meet you in dramatic and powerful ways all along, all along the way. There's giving extravagantly. It's beyond the normal giving. And then we give it all to the Lord, our time, our talents, our touch, and our treasures. I just want to talk about touch right now. And we, we had a moment as a worship team and media team before the service started. We usually pray for about 15, 20 minutes before everybody gets here. And today we prayed for uh, Matt and uh, Christina Cook, who are suffering with COVID right now. She's pregnant. Um, Matt texted this morning. He's not doing well. He's not doing well right now. He's really sick. And a young couple in our family and in, in our church family, young family, kids, all the whole nine yards, they're just going through it. They're having a hard time. And we prayed for them. And at the end of that prayer, I really felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I said, hey, I want you guys, if you have their number, if you have them on Facebook, just reach out to them, tell them, hey, we're praying for you. We're believing in faith for you. And then I had this second thing that happened where I said, and some of you, even if you don't know them, I'm asking you to do it. And I don't know about you, but when I look on my social media stuff and people are asking for prayer, I oftentimes will just scroll by, because especially when you see like 300 likes, 400 comments, like plenty of people are praying. They don't need me. And I don't know them that well. I just felt really convicted by the Lord. Your voice matters, right? Your voice and your input and you extending your prayers and saying, hey, we care about you. And sometimes the further you are from somebody relationally that you say, I'm praying for you, that's a way, that's a generous moment, isn't it? So you can keep scrolling and you can not comment and not say, hey man, praying with you. You don't have to do that. But to do that for somebody that you're not close to is you being generous. It's you extending yourself. It's you using the powerful touch that God's given you to touch someone's life. There are generous people in our kids' ministry right now literally being generous to children by sharing their time and their resources and their talent, by giving up their, their... service today and extending grace, extending love, kindness, compassion, teaching others about Jesus. There were 12 people on Halloween, October 31st. We did a trunk or treat and there were 12 cars and those families, they got their cars and they came up with a theme and they loaded their trunk with decorations. We did a trunk or treat and I think it was like 560 people were ministered to, maybe 600. It was, it was a huge crowd that came out for that to be ministered for candy and, and also to take somewhere, take their kids somewhere. How many of they were, they were touched by the generosity of a few that said, I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my time to bless the people around me. Generosity and moments to be generous is everywhere. A simple text of encouragement. Hey, I'm praying for you. A simple ver- Bible verse. Man, God is for you. He's not against you. You have a hope and you have a future. It costs us so little. But in order to do it, it requires a transformation of heart. It requires a person who says, not just looking for what I can get, but looking for what I can give to the world around me. This is interesting because I think some of us might say, well, what if I'm the one that needs encouragement? (laughs) What if I'm the one that needs prayer? And there's a lot that scripture has to say about this. So my very first point, I know, it's number one. We're not even to number one yet. That was just the intro, guys. I'm so sorry. Like, change your lunch plans. Just do it now. Pull out your phone. Cancel those reservations. The generous are happy. That's the first point. The generous are happy. Proverbs 11.25 says this. The generous will will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Refreshed those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. There is a concept all throughout scripture that we give what we need and we will receive. Listen, you might be the person who's sitting there and is like, I don't know if I can send an encouraging text. I need encouragement. Give encouragement. I don't know that I can be somebody's friend. I need a friend. Give Friendship. I don't, I don't know that I can give community or provide community for somebody else. I need community. Give community. Give connection. Give encouragement. Give prayer. Give kindness. You begin to give in the area where you yourselves have, have a place of need. I am telling you, God will meet you in that area all the time. Lindsay and I moved up here in 2010. We literally knew no one. We literally knew no one. And we came from a church that was large and a lot of kids our age and a lot of young families and friendships and community and connection. We'd spent our whole 20s in this community growing and developing friendships. And we left all of that and we came to a place that was brand new for us with zero connections. And we just, we, we knew that after about a few months where it was like, man, this isn't happening, we knew we had to give what we needed. And we just started inviting people. We had Christmas parties. We had thanks, we friends giving like when there was just a handful of people that we knew, we'd meet somebody and we'd invite them over that week. We just began to give, give, give what we needed. And now we have more community than we know what to do with. It's 10 years later, but all of what we felt like we left in Los Angeles has been restored and then some in the community of faith that we found here. People that go to this church, people that don't go to this church. It it was interesting because one of the things that really impacted me was going to the store and not seeing anybody you know. That was kind of a thing for me when I grew up. I grew up in a small town. So one of the things for me was like, you go to the store, you see people you know. It was strange for me living up here. I go, "I, I don't know anybody. Like I'm gonna, in every store I go into, I will never recognize a single person. And all of a sudden, now we go to the store. It's like, we see people all the time. We see people that we know. And it's a great feeling, but we had to give what we needed. This is a true principle of the kingdom of God. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Give what you need. Look at Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-six. It says this, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly love to give. I want to say this, if you are a Christian and you don't love to give, man, God has a breakthrough for you today. If you're a Christian and you don't love to give, try it try giving because it's the very heart of God and it will cause growth to happen in your heart. Like nothing else will the godly love to give the generosity of God. He could, I think about this, think about the generosity of God for a moment. You know, he could have made the world without color. Like he could have just made it black and white. The fact that we see in color, that is an aspect of the generosity of God towards you and I. Um, He could have made food without taste. Could have made it, it didn't have to taste good. Food tastes good because God's generous. He said, you know what? I'm not just gonna give them gruel, tasteless gruel that has all the vitamins and nutrients they need and they'll like it. Darn it. He gave us all this variety. And he gave it taste and he gave it flavor. And not only that, he didn't just give it taste and he gave it flavor. He gave us the cognitive ability to be able to experience and enjoy the taste and the flavor that he would pepper the world with. When it comes to food, it's interesting, you know, you look at a dog and you can, you can get a, um, at least with my dog, he's becoming quite the foodie. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't before, but then we had him fixed and now he only thinks about food. Um, and so <laughs> I don't know what that is, but he's quite the foodie. And we had, a uh, can you imagine just creating like a, a Dave, a Gordon Ramsay Okay. Gordon Ramsay lobster dish from hell's kitchen, South Lake Tahoe, right? It's a 200 $300 dish. You just put it before our golden duo. I'll tell you exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> and it's going to be gone. Like tw- two seconds. It's not going to be there. He's not going to enjoy it. You might as well have just given him tasteless kibbles. That's it. It would have cost you a lot less. But you put that same dish in front of me. I'm going to go like, <sighs> I'm going to step back. And I'm going to have a spiritual experience <laughs> for at least a few moments. And then I'm going to very, very slowly enjoy and savor every bite. And we're like, oh, that's so good. Oh, you know, it's going to be a moment for sure. Listen, God didn't have to do that for you and I. He didn't have to give us the ability to taste food like that. He could have made life pleasureless and bland. And how many of you know, it's the very pleasures of this life. Talk, talk about a contradiction here. What was God thinking? The very pleasures of life are often the things that distract us the most from God, but it's the pleasures he created. Why does he do this? Because he's generous, because he's kind, because he loves you. He's like, I don't want them to go through and have a black and white life, a tasteless life, a life without pleasure, a life without color. I'm going to give them all those things, and I'm going to still love them so much that they'll choose me over those things. he wanted something real with you, but he loved you enough to not just give you something boring. He created an amazing world for you to live in. The second thing is that the generous are compassionate. Proverbs 29 says, the righteous care about justice for the poor. The wicked have no such concerns. Here's the thing about the generosity of God is it opens up our view and we see the world around us in a different way. We care. We care about Right and wrong. We care about justice. We care about people experiencing the grace and the kindness of God and living in a society that's filled with equity. The, the, the wicked, they're looking only in the mirror, only what they can get out of life, only what they need for that day, only where they're headed, where their career's taking them. That's a, that is a wicked response to only think about yourself. The righteous, Man, we get outside that mirror and we look at the world around us. We say, man, I care about that situation and that situation. I can't change it all, but I'm not going to turn a blind eye towards it. Proverbs 21.3 says this. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. There was a Lutheran pastor in Germany, um, in Hitler's Germany, and he wrote a a poem. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. But he said, when they came for the labor unionists, I was not a labor unionist, so I didn't speak up. When they came for the socialists, I wasn't a socialist, so I didn't speak up. Uh, When they came for the Jews, I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't speak up. But then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak up. There was no one left to speak up for me. And he was arrested. He spent eight years in a German prison, and he was executed by Nazi Germany. That was the tale of his life. But it's a reminder that we who are the people of God are to look outside of our world and care about the concerns of the world around us. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. If we close off our ears from what other people are going through, the way other people are experiencing life, if we have no empathy, we have no compassion, we have no generosity to think above and bigger and beyond ourselves, then we too will be in that place where no one's listening to our cries. The third thing is that the generous are blessed. Look at Proverbs 22, 9. It says this, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Don't give to get. We give out of obedience and love for the Lord. Proverbs 28, 27 says this, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Now, here's the thing. I don't think you and I are called to give to every poor person that we pass on the street. I don't think that you and I can can do that. We can't fix every problem, but we can keep our heart open, can't we? The worst thing that we can do is close our heart to the brokenness of humanity. We can give to organizations. We can give to resources. We can give as the Holy Spirit leads even to individuals at times. Like there's things that we can do. Here's what we can't do. We can never let our heart get closed. We can never let our heart get closed because everybody's in that situation for a reason, right? There's some point of human brokenness that got them to that place. So we have to keep our heart open. And generosity is that thing, that very nature of God that keeps on giving people second chances, third chances, fourth chances. The generosity of God is what keeps on believing the best about you and I. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. That before we ever chose him, before we ever accepted him, before we ever put our faith in him, our hope in him, our trust in him, he came and he bled and he died for the hope that we would choose him, for the opportunity to be our savior. The generous are rewarded. This is the last one. In worship team, you can come on up. See, it went faster than you thought, right? That's a key indicator if you're new around here. Uh, When the worship team comes up, it's like we're landing the plane, all right? So you can get excited now. You know, it's not going to be a long day. Uh, the generous are rewarded. Listen, there is a reward system in heaven. There really is. And this isn't about salvation, uh, but there is some rewards that, that Jesus is going to be handing out. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I like to win. Like I want, I, I like rewards. Like there's going to be some crowns given away in heaven. I want so many crowns, I have to wheel them around a wheelbarrow, right? They don't even fit on my head. I say, hey, nice crown. Look at mine. I have a collection of crowns. So many crowns, all right? Can't even fit them on my head. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. I want just that to sink in for a second. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. There is something that can happen in this life that does not carry over into the next life. You can give God a loan. You can give God a loan. In this life. And when he repays you, I can't even imagine the compounded interest calculator that he's gonna use. Like, if the banks use one calculator, what does his calculator look like for compounded interest when I lend to God by being generous to the people around me? And here's what's so important about that. What's so important about generosity is it takes my eyes off of this world and it gets my focus onto the next world. We don't talk nearly enough about heaven. We don't talk nearly enough about the rewards that are waiting for believers in heaven that i can give a loan to god and there will be a day where he repays me back with interest on that loan with a reward from him that can only come from him what does that look like man i want to be the kind of person that is so focused on what god's called me to and what matters in the realm of eternity that i'm not just building my own kingdom here on earth do I need a job? Yes. Everybody needs a job. Everybody needs to provide for their needs. But don't lose sight. This is not your home. Like this is temporal. Don't fall in love with earth. Get excited about eternity in heaven. God has a plan and a purpose that will be unveiled and un- developing for all of eternity. Look at Revelations 22:12. It says this, look, I am coming soon. This is Jesus bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. I'm coming soon, I'm gonna repay everybody according to their deeds. Jesus is coming with rewards for his people. I, for one, I wanna make sure I'm in the right line. I wanna make sure that I'm so invested in the kingdom of God, I'm so invested in the reward system of heaven, that that God looks at my thing and says, good and faithful servant, well done, enter into eternity. I wanna hear those words. The thing about investing this way is it will lead you to this idea of legacy. I want to read this passage, Psalm 112, verse 9. It says, They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Psalm 112, 5 through 6 says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. I was at a pastor's lunch this week, and a Russian church on Hazel Avenue, House of Bread, maybe you've driven by it, Um, and uh, the pastor had just resigned. He'd only been the pastor for 16 years, but he resigned, and he was passing the baton, and everybody was commenting on how young he was, because he's only 52, but he's giving the church to the next generation, and he got up, and he talked to the room full pastor, talked in Russian, and it was translated, it was a powerful message, but one of these said, they said the greatest shame for a pastor is that what you do in this life doesn't live beyond you. That it only it only stays with you. That whatever you build is only what you do and it doesn't carry on to the next generation. Those passages that we just read, the man who is generous will be remembered forever. God is inviting every single believer into a place of legacy leaving. How many of you know you're gonna leave a legacy? You're going to leave a legacy. It's going to be a good legacy or it's going to be a bad legacy. And here's the thing, if you're still breathing, you have an opportunity to right the ship. There is no age and there is no there is no one who's too far gone to begin to leave a righteous legacy for those who go before them, be, behind them. And God is calling everyone that if you're going to leave that kind of a legacy, if you're going to make that kind of impact, it's going to have to start right in your heart Where your heart gets a little bit bigger, you get a little bit more generous, and you tap into the very nature of God who freely gives. Freely gives. Time, treasure, talents, touch, the whole thing. It's not just resources, but God has it all. Would you stand with me?